Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Emmanuel Acho. Well, let's get to the latest huge news in the NFL. The National Football League, they are appealing the decision on Deshaun Watson. What does that mean? The six-game decision that the Judge Robinson laid down, it wasn't enough. The NFL says Deshaun Watson should get more games. So that is the what. But we have to talk about the why. Why has the NFL chosen to appeal the decision? To me, it is very simple. Historically speaking, in the National Football League, the NFL has never taken a serious stance to protect or at least optically show that they want to protect women. Think back to Greg Hardy, Carolina Panthers defensive end. Recall, Greg Hardy, he was in an incident with his then-girlfriend. Greg Hardy, he was placed on the commissioner's exempt list. Still got paid $13 million by the Carolina Panthers in 2014. And after getting paid that $13 million by the Carolina Panthers in 2014, Greg Hardy then signs with the Cowboys a year later. Suspended 10 games, but that suspension was reduced to only four games. Many remember Ray Rice. Ray Rice also 2014. He was involved in an incident with his fiancée. Only suspended two games. Two games until the footage comes out and we see that he knocks his then fiance out cold, drags her off the elevator. Finally, after the footage is released, we see that Ray Rice gets suspended 12 games. But remember, the NFL only suspended him for two. We also have kicker Josh Brown. 2015, coming off a Pro Bowl season, he's involved in an incident with his then-wife. And Josh Brown only gets one game. He plays in weeks two through week six after missing week one. But then the police report was obtained by the public, and Josh Brown suspended week seven and never played again. You see, the NFL has always taken far too light a stance as it comes and pertains to protecting women. So enter Deshaun Watson, 2022. See, at best, Deshaun Watson made several women feel uncomfortable. But at worst, Deshaun Watson, a serial assaulter. That's what the claims say. So when you want to talk about the what, it's blatantly simple. The NFL, not happy with the findings of Judge Robinson, not happy with the levy of Judge Robinson. But the why, that's when things get a little more nuanced. Because for once, the NFL appears to be taking a harder stance on trying to protect women. So, so much going on with this case. So much going on with Deshaun Watson. So much going on with the NFL. But I have to bring in co-host of The Herd, Joy Taylor, Slick Rick Buecher, one of my favorites, and ask you all, what is on the line? What's on the line in the Deshaun Watson appeal? Well, I think what's on the line is what is going to be a story for the NFL for maybe another year or so. How much more of a suspension are they going to levy on Deshaun Watson? Mm. How much of the fine are they going to impose at all? Because right now there is no fine. And what is that developing conversation going to be surrounding the league? That's what's on the line. Because I do feel, and we discussed this yesterday, when the original suspension came down, while I thought it was extremely light, it was a recommendation by an independent arbiter, a situation uh, that had been agreed upon between the NFL and the NFLPA to put former Judge Sue Robinson in place to make a recommendation on these, this punishment. I felt it was light, but that was what they had agreed upon. Now, obviously, we know that the NFL still has the power to appeal, so yeah. whatever was agreed upon was all, you know, particularly arbitrary, considering that Roger Goodell could step in afterwards and do exactly what he is doing. But had they moved forward with the suspension, I do believe after the suspension was served, 
most of this conversation would turn to games, as it often does. Would the, the separation of art from artists for many people would begin with Deshaun Watson, and we would start covering the Browns and his tenure there in that way, because that is what happens in these situations. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be some people who will never support him, and that is their prerogative. And there will always be people who think that there was nothing that happens here, and that is their opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm not surprised with what the NFL is doing, and here's why. There is a lot of confusion about this process with the public, with fans, and the reaction to her recommendation and people saying that it was light is what drew me to the conclusion that there's some, there's some confusion here. Yeah. You mentioned a word yesterday, justice, in relation to what former Judge Sue Robinson is supposed to bring to the situation. She's not an acting judge in this situation. They're not in court. She is just a person who has experience in the legal space. Yeah. She's not acting as a judge. This is not a courtroom. This is not a mediation. This is her as a former judge looking over an investigation on one side and the CBA on the other. So her investigation, her 15-page report, which was, which was accepted by Deshaun Watson's camp and by the Browns, in the Browns in a very open statement that they accepted the punishment, you cannot on one hand accept what Sue Robinson said and then be upset with the employer saying, hey, this is not a big enough punishment. What Sue Robinson said in her 15-page report was that Deshaun Watson was not honest, that the NFL proved that there was sexual misconduct, nonviolent sexual assault, mm -hmm. and that it was serial, meaning a pattern of egregious behavior. That is, the, that is the words that she used. So you can't on one hand say we should respect what she recommended and her report, and then on the other hand say, but the NFL should not do more because this is an unprecedented situation. She looked at four different cases, four different women and the investigation of them. She determined that this is what happened. It was serial. It happened. There was evidence and that her recommendation was based on the precedent set by the league in former cases involving nonviolent sexual assault, sure. which is what I have argued from the beginning, that there is no precedent. Let's not consider the 25 cases because she only looked at four. If you're looking at the four alone, Ben Roethlisberger and Ezekiel Elliott are the former cases relating to nonviolent sexual assault. They each got six games. Now, Ben's reduced to four, but they each got six games for one person. We're talking about four. Do the math on that. So I'm not surprised that the NFL is, one, trying to put a financial burden on this. That is not surprising to me at all. What we will find out is if it's going to be a year, is the NFLPA going to fight it? Because then Deshaun could play week one. This could play out for a very long time. Or is the, NFL, is the NFL just going to levy more games, but not quite enough that would make the NFLPA feel the need to fight it, but still send a message? Here's where I'm a little bit uh, confused, though, Slick. I'm a little bit confused, Joy, because if the NFL did, in fact, uh, solicit the opinion of former Judge Robinson, then to solicit the opinion of former Judge Robinson, but then neglect the opinion of former Judge Robinson seems like it conflicts with itself. It seems like it undermines itself. If you are going to solicit the opinion of a former judge, then not take the opinion of the former judge. That is where I am left confused, Slick, but I saw you writing vigorously. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, that's one of the things that I think is now on trial here, which is the disciplinary process that the NFL was able to negotiate with the players union. So I, uh, the, the sense that I get from the reaction 
uh, to the appeal and to the initial uh, recommendation by the judge is that people are expecting Roger Goodell is now going to bring the hammer down on Deshaun Watson, that it is going to be an indefinite suspension. It's going to be at least for the season. There's going to be a huge monetary fine. And I don't know that that would necessarily be the smartest of moves, because while it would satisfy uh, people in the public that are mm -hmm. at the extreme end and saying that you have to take the utmost, you have to impose the utmost penalty, it does, to your point, it undermines this, this new agreement you have with the Players Union on how you're going to adjudicate a disciplinary situation. So I believe that he has to tread carefully here. You mentioned a lot of the other instances, and I believe this is the opportunity to what uh, Joy said as well, that uh, this is the opportunity to hit the reset button on how they are going to handle the way uh, players uh, who mistreat women are handled in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the real difference where we're going here is that Deshaun Watson is the biggest name that we have ever seen being dealt with in this space. And that matters here. Sure. It, it, the, the, the visibility of Deshaun Watson signing the contract he did with the Cleveland Browns, this is the opportunity for the NFL to make a statement. So I believe that that is also part of what is going on here and how they handle the situation. Joy, let me talk about um, maybe the biggest issue that I have that I don't think enough people are paying attention to. Public opinion. Public opinion now more than ever carries weight, a yep. deafening weight, a damning weight. Public opinion carries more weight than it ever has. Why? Because the public has more opinions than ever. Social media allows the public to have an opinion. We have let public opinion... And a bigger megaphone. And a, and a much bigger megaphone. It seems as though we are letting public opinion dictate our laws to a degree. Let's start simply with Kyler Murray. Public opinion quite literally caused the Arizona Cardinals to alter a contract worthy of $240 million. Public opinion did that. Mm. Now... A former judge with 25 plus years of experience, 25 plus years of experience, based upon her experience, she lent a recommendation after her extensive search. But public opinion is going to cause us to challenge and question a 25 year plus experience to judge. Here's why I have an issue with public opinion. See, one day public opinion, it will stand for you, but the next day it might not. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have an issue with public opinion. Joy, go back about eight months. John Gruden. See, John Gruden had emails leak. And in the emails that leaked of John Gruden, he had racially insensitive statements. He called D. Maurice Smith dumb Morris Smith. He said D. Morris, D. Maurice Smith, a black man, had lips the size of Michelin tires. John Gruden coached the following game. Because public opinion didn't really rally behind the black community at that point. But then emails continued to leak and John Gruden was anti-Semitic, homophobic and misogynistic. Now the public opinion was loud enough for the Las Vegas Raiders to say, you know what, we're done with you. If we let public opinion dictate how we should respond, then the public opinion might not always stand for what they actually should stand for. That is the biggest rub I have. Where are you in light of that, I'm where really are you glad you brought this up because I think it's an important discussion and a lot of people are very confused about it. First of all, this is not the law. Public opinion is not influencing the law. The NFL is not a courtroom. 
They are not a governing body. They are not the law. They are a company that employs Deshaun Watson. And they are a public-facing company that has a responsibility to fans, that has a responsibility to sponsors, that has a responsibility to the other teams in the league, the other employees of the league, many of whom are women. They are not the law. They are not the government. So when public opinion influences a public company, that matters because the public consumes it. There is no law changing. It's the same conversation that constantly comes up with freedom of speech. You have freedom of speech. You are free to say whatever it is that you like, with some limitations, obviously, of threats of violence against you know, government officials and whatnot. But you're free to speak about whatever it is you want here in this country. What you're not free from is consequences. Perhaps if you were raised right, you would know that. That's how it works. You can say something. You're free to say it. And I am free, as free, to not like you for saying it to not buy your product anymore, to not watch your show. Freedom, we're all free. That's how it works. You are free from government's oppression. That's all freedom of speech means. Just like the NFL is not the law. They are a company. Yeah. If you conduct yourself in a way that embarrasses a company, for example, the company that we work for, that company has somewhere hidden in their little contract that they can fire us. They might have to pay us out or whatever, but they have a responsibility to their consumers. They are not a government's agency. It's almost a detriment that she is a judge because it is con it's confusing everyone into yes. thinking that this is a legal process. It ain't. It's not. Nothing. Fooey. Rip it up. Throw it away. There doesn't matter what she said. It doesn't matter. She is a person who has been designated it's to look over the content and her yeah. experience should be considered and respected, but it doesn't. It is not a legally binding document not. because it's not a courtroom. You've, yeah, uh, I mean, you've gone to great lengths to talk about her experience as a judge, which, in making decisions, might or might not be valuable in this circumstance. It sounds good, it looks good, and that ultimately is what we're talking about here. Because let's, let, these are the three things that are at stake now with them appealing it: the disciplinary process, right. The NFL and its view or its uh, view of acceptable treatment of women, which they can hit the reset button on, and how superstar players are dealt with. None of those things apply to the general public. Those are all things that are specific and exclusive to the NFL. Now, when it comes to public opinion guiding matters, we've advanced because of social media and we've gone back to the days of the Christians and the lions. Yes. This is no different than in the Colosseum when you had Correct. two combatants. Correct. And should they Correct. live or should they Correct. die? Right? That's where we are. And that's ultimately what is happening today. But here's, here's my issue. Here is my issue. I do not feel content nor comfortable with public opinion dictating the sale of the NFL ship. Because one day public opinion will stand for something that it probably shouldn't. And one day public opinion will oppose something it should probably stand for. So I just don't feel comfortable saying... So then saying, where's the accountability? The accountability to me is found in justice. But to your There's point... There's no justice in this. This is a subjective matter. Correct. So to your point, it can't necessarily be found in justice, not just because it's a subjective matter, but more importantly, and I believe because of what you said, the NFL is not a courtroom. Right. But I just, I can't be comfortable saying we should let the public opinion dictate the punishment of something that is in fact legal. The NFL is not in fact legal, but these actions are criminal or cri non-criminal, non civil or non-civil. Go ahead. Why not? Slick. 
Why don't I feel comfortable? Yeah. Because I look at the John Gruden situation. I look at the Kyler Murray situation. I look at the Miles Garrett situation. I fervently believe, and I watched that Miles Garrett game Thursday night football, if that game would not have been nationally televised, if the top uh, insiders in our game would not have taken to Twitter and said, I cannot believe these actions, Miles Garrett wouldn't have got suspended the rest of the season. If that game would have been... slung a helmet at someone's head. Joy, we've seen uh, uh, the wide receiver for the Houston Texans against Cortland Finnegan, Andre Johnson, take his fist and literally try to bash A fist and a and helmet cause quite a bit of a difference uh, amount of harm if they are delivered. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I see where you're going with this. Where, again, where I would push back on it is I don't believe in mob... I don't think that the mob mentality should determine how you do everything. I don't think that because one day you're a good person and the next day you make a mistake and something comes up in your past, now you're a bad person. I don't believe in that. But when 25 people do something to tell you that you're doing something wrong, when you have a judge, to your point, say these four people, which we have narrowed it down to, I believe, and it happens, and lied, when does public opinion matter? What's the barrier? Should it never matter? Then let me ask you this. I don't think you can, kind of like you can't be halfway pregnant, you can't take halfway of the opinion. If the judge says this, I believe this thing's happened, but I also believe you should get six games. Why would you take the I believe this thing happened bucket, but not the I believe because you get the six Because I games believe bucket? this thing happens. It's all the judge's opinion. Is, is based and then is linked to a precedent, right? That's where she's basing the six games, precedent, correct? Mm-hmm. There is no precedent. The precedent would be Ben Roethlisberger. The precedent would be Ezekiel Elliott. There are four women that she examines in this investigation. So her recommendation is six games based off a precedent that does not exist. It doesn't exist. It's never happened before. There's never been four women who have been involved in an investigation that this independent arbiter has said happens. Like We're past the point of evidence. We're past the point of admittance. We're past the point of of any of that. She, in her report, if you're going to take a report... Or throw it out. But if you're going to take it, then the NFL has a right to set a precedent because there is no precedent for the situation. Well, we have plenty more where that came from. <laughs> Obviously, we're just getting started. Coming up, Emmett Smith thinks Ezekiel Elliott should be the focal point of the Cowboys offense. We'll tell you what that says about Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Speak for yourself. Brought to you by Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Ezekiel Elliott coming off the fewest rushing attempts in his career, but Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith still singing his praises. Smith said, quote, Ezekiel Elliott is our number one guy and should be the focal point of the offense. But y'all got to keep in mind, Dak Prescott coming off a season with the most touchdown passes of his career. You got former Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith talking about current Cowboys star Ezekiel Elliott. Joy, what do Emmitt Smith's comments, however, say about Dak Prescott? Emmitt Smith saying that Zeke should be the focal point of the offense. Well, I think the misconception with Dak's career is that it's always been about Ezekiel Elliott. And that's at the start of their careers together. It was fair. It did go through Ezekiel Elliott. He was the catalyst for that offense. And I think that that those visuals of Zeke and how unbelievable and electric he was are still stuck with all of us. But it's not real anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes a brand becomes bigger than reality. Hmm. That seems to be a common theme with the Cowboys, actually, <laughs> now that I'm saying it. But 
don't think it has anything to do with, with, with Dak. There's nothing wrong with being a running back by committee. I don't think that it devalues the running back position. I think it's just smarter. Work smarter, not harder. If you have someone who is an all-time great running back and you can give a couple extra carries to somebody else so that they're fresh later in the game or, I don't know, for a 17-game season, what's wrong with doing that? I don't think that the running back position is any less valuable than it's always been. Offenses need a steady, consistent running game that balances the offense and allows you to throw the ball and keep the defense honest, all of those things. But if you're looking at Zeke as in the breath of a, you know, Derrick Henry or even a Joe Mixon, like there's there's a separation now. Zeke has declined. His yards per game have declined each year since his rookie year. 108, 98, 95, 84, 65, 58. It's going down. And he's in what, year seven now he's going into? But for- so I, I do think that you have to look at players for what they are and where they are. For- Emmett Smith, knowing that Zeke is in decline, to say that he should still be the focal point of the offense, do you think that is an indictment on the talent of Dak Prescott, at least Emmett Smith's perceived talent of Dak Prescott, for him to still say Zeke should be the focal point, even though we got a $75 million last year quarterback well, in Dak? Listen, far be it for me to say anything about my mother's favorite all-time player, Emmett Smith. <laughs> I will not do that, but he might have a little bias towards the position, sure. if we're being honest sure. here. Sure. So I'm not going to hold that against him. I mean, we know what Dak is. As you mentioned, they had the league's number one scoring offense last year. Dak was the quarterback for the team that did that. So you, people have all these critiques of Dak and his talent level and what he's able to achieve and what he needs and all of that. Everybody needs something. Everybody has compliments. Even Tom Brady, even Aaron Rodgers, even Patrick Mahomes. It's a team game. So I, it probably is, but I can give Emmett a, a pass on it considering his position and the bias that he might have towards it. Slick, I think it's a serious indictment. I'm going to take it a little bit further than Joy because the greatest quarterbacks playing right now, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, we don't say, regardless of how good Aaron Jones is, we don't say that, man, Aaron Jones needs to be the focal point of the Packers' offense. We don't say Clyde Edwards-Alaire needs to be the focal point of the Chiefs' offense. We don't say Leonard Fournette, boy, Lenny, he got to be the focal point of the Bucks' offense. We don't say that Devin Singletary desperately needs to be the focus of the Bills' offense. But when talking about the Cowboys, for whatever reason— we keep talking about these running backs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many carries should Zeke get? Should Zeke get carries? The Cowboys need to go through Zeke. Unlike all these other teams led by star quarterbacks, we don't focus on the running back. Now, don't tell me that Zeke is better than Singletary or Fournette because he's definitely not better than Aaron Jones. We know that to be true, mm-hmm. particularly the last three years. I think it's a major indictment where you stand, Slick. Yes, he's saying that Dak Prescott is not the most important, valuable offensive weapon that the Dallas Cowboys have. I can't interpret his statement any other way. He's saying Ezekiel Elliott is the most important offensive weapon that we have, and we need to use him more. Now, now, I could look at it and say that is particularly pertinent to where they are right now because of their receiving core, that running the ball more, eating up the clock, relying on your defense, that that's the way that the Dallas Cowboys should approach this particular season. I also wonder if he knows that Emmett's, uh, that uh, Zeke has an out in his contract after this season, and this would be a really good time for him to demonstrate his value. Emmett Smith, running back to running back, let me help you out and give you a solid. Give the man the rock, and he has something to prove, and he has money to make. But this is, uh, look, I, I feel that this is the approach that they need to take for this season. 
But this, I can't interpret this any other way than, than Emmett Smith saying, among running backs, Ezekiel Elliott stands higher among running backs than Dak Prescott does as quarterbacks. So if we, the Dallas Cowboys, want to make the most out of what we have, <laughs> we need to run the guy and utilize the guy who is better at his position than the other guy. If only we had a recent season where Dak didn't play and Zeke did, and then we could see <laughs> who was more valuable. Was it, was it the last two okay, years? Okay, I don't know that that's a fair. Did we do that? Is it fair? I think we just no, did it. No, I, I think we just did it. I think we just got to experiment with think it's fair. the life of the Cowboys why without isn't, Dak Why Prescott. isn't it fair, Slitz? It's, it, it's not fair because you can't take out one piece and then say that it's an equal comparison. But that's what we're talking about. Isn't that what we're talking about? No, we're just talking about Isn't a guy's statement ability about who to is play more the particular valuable. position. To play the particular position. And now, we're look, keep in mind, we're interpreting what Emmett Smith is saying about these two players. Uh-huh. And I'm not, uh, not going to say that he's wrong. I'm not sold on Dak Prescott as so you a think right, so, so you think right now, Dak as a quarterback is not as good as Zeke is as a running back. A fascinating or, conversation. Or are we asking who's fact. more important to the Dallas offense? I would Dak say Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott? Well, that's easy. That's easy. Right. Dak Prescott is more important to the Cowboys offense than Ezekiel Elliott. He should be. Because a quarterback is more important yes. to a team and, than a running and back. That's okay, so why, we all and that's that. why. Yes. Okay, so, then, so then, then, it's, then it's the last question. Is Dak Prescott as good of a, a better as a quarterback than Zeke is as a running back? I would say it's. Zeke averaged 58.9 yards per, for, per game last year. He was injured. So the year before was 65. Here's what I. It's hard to answer that question, but here's what we do know. When Zeke rushes for 100 or more yards, the Cowboys, 26 and 4. But when Dak Prescott passes for 275 yards or more, the Cowboys, 18 and 9. When both of them do what is. Uh, a great performance, if you will. 275 yards as a quarterback when you don't have to pass the ball. It's a good day. 100 yards as a running back. It's a good day. When Zeke has a good day, the Cowboys fare better than when Dak has a good day. I'm not talking about elite days. Not 400-yard games and 175-yard games. I'm just talking about good. Good NFL Sundays. The Cowboys fare better when Zeke performs better. I think Emmett is on to something. I'm kind of with both of y'all to some degree. I think that Emmett is on to something realizing, yo, Dak is not in the upper echelon of Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, Allen, and Dak cannot exclusively carry this team. Knowing that, you got to go to Z. Yes, and that's my point. Uh, Look, if you're going to compare where they are right now and you want to say, look, Dak is uh, is a – uh, has a greater impact, is playing better as a quarterback than Ezekiel Elliott as a running back, you're not going to get a dispute from me. But if we're saying, who has demonstrated that at their best, they are elite? It would be Ezekiel Elliott has demonstrated that he's capable of being point. an elite running back. And I don't know that Dak has demonstrated that he's capable of being an elite quarterback. I would, so, I would agree. So if I'm going to interpret what Emmett Smith is saying is, let my guy show you that he's capable of still being an elite running back. I don't know if he can. Well, that was 2018. But I don't have a problem with Emmett saying. So, because I would, I would, and many, I think, people who follow the Cowboys, watch the Cowboys, would argue that Tony Pollard should be number one. He's the better running back on the roster right now. More explosive. So if Emmett yeah. is arguing that, the, that in order for the Cowboys to be successful, it needs to be a run-first offense, that feels a little more comfortable to everybody. 
that might be what he's saying. Right. It just wasn't said that way. That I actually probably wouldn't disagree with. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I think that clearly for the Cowboys to have any level of success, they're going to have a dominant running game. Last thoughts. Do Dick. you think that Tony Pollard has demonstrated that he's an elite running back? No. no. Tony Pollard is an I explosive. think they're a great duo. Tony Pollard is an explosive running back. I can't even go as far as to say Tony Pollard is a better running back than Zeke, okay. but he is a more dangerous running back than Zeke. Well, we know this much. The Cowboys, they always get our attention. But coming up, we have to spotlight a story that hasn't gotten enough of our attention. Brittany Griner, WNBA superstar, sentenced to nine years in prison today. Nobody wants to talk about it, so we have to talk about it. That's next when Speak for Yourself returns. You don't want to miss it. WNBA star Brittany Griner sentenced to nine years in prison today by a Russian court for drug possession and smuggling. Now, Griner has already been detained for nearly six, yes, six months before today's verdict. She made a quote saying it was an honest mistake. We have to start here. Let's remember we are talking about a human being. Let's remember that we were talking about a black woman. Historically speaking, black women or women of color are the most marginalized and disenfranchised community, not just in our country, but in the entirety of the world. We have to also acknowledge that we are talking about a very highly political situation when we talk about Brittany Griner. 168 days she has been in prison. 4,032 hours and over 294,000 minutes. What does that mean that she has been suffering for a long time? With that being said, it would be ignorant of me and inflammatory to not talk about the entire nuanced perspective of this situation. Brittany Griner was detained for not abiding by the law of the land. See, in America, we believe at times that our laws should be everyone's laws, but it's not abiding by the law of your land. It is abiding by the law of the land. I bring up this point not to condemn the accused, but most importantly, to prevent there from being more accused. Brittany Griner has suffered for far too long, and hopefully this suffering comes to a conclusion very, very quickly. But it would be arrogant of me an American citizen, to simply say that the Russian court and what they are doing is wrong. Because remember, wrong is relative. What is right to one is wrong to another. What is wrong to one is right to another. So as we assess all the complexities and the nuances of this situation, let's keep in mind that we are talking about a human being, mm. a human being who is suffering, a family that is suffering. But let's also keep in mind when it comes down to and as it pertains to the law, particularly the laws of Russia, there isn't very much emotion. Joined by Joy, joined by Slick. Um, first and foremost, let me acknowledge that I respect you all's intellect and ability to have this conversation. I see far too few national shows having this kind of dialogue. I wanted to make sure that we take that bold, courageous, yet empathetic step and have it. Joy, let me go to you first. What's your reaction to Brittany Geiner's nine-year uh, sentencing? Uh, my reaction is that Russia is an enemy of the United States and has been for a very long time. If you'd like to read any history on the relationship between our two countries, you can get to the bottom of that. And what's happening with Brittany Griner is political theater, and she is absolutely being used by Russia as a political pawn. She has a marijuana prescription. Of course, we know that is from the United States of America. 
She has admitted, admitted that she brought the canisters into the country of Russia, but it wasn't intentional. She's played in Russia for what this season would be her eighth year. So she's very aware of the laws of the land. She has admitted it was a mistake. This was not intentional. It was not one of intent. So what does that mean? It means that Russia is abusing the situation and using Brittany Griner's status for a political pawn. Now, of course, the U.S. is in a situation where they will likely try to do a prisoner swap. Victor Bout, who is an international arms dealer, nicknamed the Merchant of Death, might be involved in that prisoner swap. He's been serving time for 10 years of a 25-year sentence here in the States. But Brittany is being demonized in this situation when Russia is the enemy. So make no mistake about this. You mentioned the Russian law. Brittany was arrested in the Russian airport for less than one gram of cannabis oil in her luggage at the Mos Moscow airport. We know, as you mentioned, that Americans, we have different laws for these substances than many places around the world. It is our responsibility to know those laws. Brittany admitted she knew the laws and this was not something of intent. In 2019, a 19-year-old girl, American girl, was released from prison after she spent a month in Russian prison for a drug charge. Audrey Lorber. She was released after a month after she was found guilty of attempting to import marijuana purchased in the U.S. into Russia. She was fined $235. She was found with 19 grams of marijuana on her. Again, I remind you, one gram of cannabis oil, Brittany Griner. A local sports hero. She has played in Russia for eight years, has no criminal history up until this point. So make no mistake about it. What's going on with Brittany Griner in Russia is not according to Russian law. It's not according to the law of the land. They are using her situation for political theater and political gain, and they are the enemy in the situation. There's no question that she is a political football and that she's a prisoner. I, 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 calling her a prisoner of war at this point would not be going too far. And it is absolutely uh, awful. We just look at, at, at her and see her as a person and think about what she has gone through and what she's going through. But there's two parts here. One, she certainly is not alone in people who have been uh, detained and have been adjudicated unfairly in various places. She's simply the biggest name that we know, and she has a visible presence. And it reminds me of the things that we take for granted in this country, where you are given a speedy and fair trial, where your rights, you have Miranda rights, you have these uh, protections, and we assume that they're all over the world, and they're not. Now, on the other side, and I'm glad you brought this up, Emmy, is that we also, as Americans, we're also presumptuous that because we are Americans and because we have certain rights and freedoms here, that that means that we have those rights and freedoms wherever we go. And that's simply not true. To understand that other countries have their viewpoints and their approaches, and for us to say that ours is better than theirs or uh, different, uh, that we're not subject to them because we're Americans, is a mistake. Slick, let me speak to that. Um, I would argue that the greatest blessing in my life is dual citizenship. Mm. I have citizenship in Nigeria, I have citizenship in America. What dual citizenship allows me is the cognition of realizing 
everywhere isn't like America. Mm -hmm. See, America, land of the free, home of the brave, is what we say. America, one of the most merciful countries in all of the world. See, dual citizenship has allowed me to realize, oh, what is lawful and legal here is punishable, definitely punishable in other places and in other parts of the world. I am very hard pressed to to just sit here and not acknowledge that aspect. Yeah. I feel as though, Joy, I am sitting too much on my high horse as an American to simply say, this is wrong, this isn't fair, this isn't just. Because just, because right and wrong is relative, depending on where you go. I was thinking about this in a very, very simple sense. Um, Slick, when you go into your house, do you make people take their shoes off? Uh, don't make them do it anymore, but once upon a time did. Once upon a time you did. I don't in my house. Now, I could think that it is ludicrous for you to make people take, shoe, pe people take their shoes off in your house, but you are the governor of your house, right. as I am the governor of my house. And so where I wrestle is in the fact that in America, we are the governing body over this country. But in Russia, they might be a democracy uh, on paper, but they are a dictatorship sure. in practice. Sure. And that is where, Joy, I am just really having to find the, the wrestle within myself. But I don't really feel that anyone is arguing that they should have to abide by our laws. What they're arguing is they should abide by their own laws. But their and own law says 10 years, punishable up to 10 I years. I just read, read you an example of a woman that they, did, they let go after a month for 19 grams of marijuana right. on her for the same thing. Now, we don't expect Russia to op operate like we operate because it's Russia. But make no confusion about this. Russia is manipulating the situation, period. Absolutely. Whether they, uh, whether they can manipulate their laws on one day or change it on the other, I don't think she should have brought what she did into the country. And she acknowledged that she wasn't intentionally doing it. She knew the law. It was a mistake. She used it somewhere else and forgot to take it out. That can be an oversight on her part that has detrimental, to your point, consequences, which you can't take lightly, which perhaps was a result of her being an American. But at the end of the day, she's our people and Russia is using her and manipulating the situation as such. But okay. real quick, we could get we, we could get into the difference between importing and possessing and all of that of and how that might play. I will just tell you, um, first generation American and German was my first language. And I was fluent over in Germany at one point and was mistaken for being German. And it gave me a great insight into how Americans are viewed in other countries. We're not always viewed in the same golden light that we imagine ourselves. No, of course not. And it's important to keep that in mind when we're in other places that we're not necessarily viewed as the as the all-Americans, as we sometimes think we are. Important to keep that in mind, but most important to keep in mind that we are talking about a human being, and I hope this situation gets resolved as quickly as possible for the sake of Brittany Griner and everyone who loves and cares for her. Coming up, more reactions to the decision to appeal Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. The NFL is not done with that one. Not yet. Speak for yourself. I have you the Field of Dreams game is only a week away, and Big Poppy has given everyone a chance to win $10,000 of his money playing Fox Bet Super 6. Scan the QR code, download the Super 6 app, and enter your picks for a free chance at the jackpot. $10,000, gotta get it. Okay, let's get back to Deshaun Watson. 
NFL appealed the six-game suspension of the Browns quarterback that was issued by a disciplinary officer earlier this week. Now, reports say the NFL is looking for an indefinite suspension. That would be a minimum of a year, along with a fine and treatment Watson must mm. undergo. Slick Rick Buker coming to you. What is your reaction to the NFL appealing Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension? Well, I think that last part is the most important part about Watson having to undergo some sort of treatment because that's what's come out as a result of the, of the appeal is that there seems to be a difference of opinion in terms of where Deshaun Watson's mind is as far as what he did. The, the Cleveland Browns have said that he believes or has said he's remorseful, which would mean he admits that he did something wrong. It's also been reported that Deshaun Watson is maintaining his innocence and not only presumably doesn't believe that he deserves an entire year and treatment and all of that, but doesn't even deserve the six games because I didn't do anything wrong. So now we're getting to the heart of the matter. But the bottom line is that the NFL saw what the arbitrator suggested and they saw the public reaction to it and they said, We've got to do something about this because the two are not in alignment. Here's my reaction. I think it was dumb that the NFL brought in a judge to solicit her opinion on the matter. I think it was dumb for several reasons. I think it toxified the situation to Joy's point. As soon as we hear judge, we think justice. But the NFL doesn't have to apply justice because the NFL is, in theory, a private billion-dollar nonprofit organization. But it is a private organization, nonetheless, that can dictate its own laws however it sees fit. But as soon as you hear judge, now all of a sudden you want justice because judges are synonymous with justice. Judges aren't synonymous with opinion. Go no, ahead. You know what the difference, the, the, the problem is, is that they, they said that they, we've, we, ha, we now have an ar arbitrator that is going to determine punishment and disciplinary action. That's not true. What they have, they hired an advisor. They, advire, they hired someone who's going to say, I suggest we do this. But if you read the way it's written, Roger Goodell still has the ultimate authority to impose whatever disciplinary action he sees fit. So it's more the conveyance of what they did and that there's a difference in how they're doing it that is the mistake here. Yeah, it's, it's very messy. I've always maintained, so this is not hindsight, that the punishments should be taken out of the league's hands, should be taken out of the commissioner's hand. It should be a rotating really? panel of people. It should not be one person's recommendation. It should be a panel of people that is voted on by the NFL owners, the commissioner, and the players. A diverse panel that changes every couple years to avoid biases or, you know, something slid under the table here. You know, all that, all those things. Uh, someone might call it similar to like a jury. And that okay. the, their determination is what it is. And, and, and I understand there's levels of problems with all that, but I never agree with it being one person's decision to begin with. Here's the thing, Joy, the reason I, I think what you're saying is great in principle, but it's probably terrible in practice. At the end of the day, Twitter is the jury. Public, no, it, no, it no, is. no, 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 no. It is. No, it's not. Because it, no, it's not. There's 22 percent of the country is on Twitter. It has greatly exaggerated the influence that Twitter no, has on we've, things. We've it, seen you have, it. You have, you have, so, you have social media. You have sponsors. You have people who work for the league who are women. You have people that work for that organization that are women. I understand that all that. But here, here's the point I'm making. You had a judge with 25 years plus experience, and you disregarded that. So they you didn't can, disregard it though. 
They didn't disregard it. Well, they didn't apply it. They didn't fully they didn't apply it. it. She is, this is, yes, the judge thing is driving me nuts. She is not justice. This is not a court of law. This is a recommendation sure. by someone that they but gave the, the information advertised. to. Okay, but facts are important. Whatever is advertised doesn't matter. At the end of the day, this is messy, and I agree with both of you And as far as it has become more of a circus than it needed to be. But we're Either so- keep it with Roger Goodell, as, and he makes the decision, or take considerations for what she recommended, which is what I thought they should do to begin with. But we're- However, you can't take her report and, and, and believe it and then also think that six games is appropriate because her report says it happens, egregious, serial, lies. That's what her report says. So if you agree with her report, then you have to feel that there should be more punishment. Slick, hold that thought because coming up, I want to hear it. We'll have a final thought when we return. Speak for yourself. A lot more to discuss. Welcome back. Well, as we previously left off, we were talking about our reaction to Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Slick, you were chomping at the bit to get words in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, because this has now been portrayed as if Roger Goodell in the league by appealing is somehow defying the arbitrator and what he has suggested. And the reality is that was presented by the players' union to say, hey, we agreed on doing this this way. We should listen to the arbitrator and do what she says no matter what. She was advising. She was giving a suggestion, a starting point. The fact that the league has now decided we want to appeal is simply part of the process. It's not as if they are violating the system. Right. Right. The system is also very new, and this is a big incident to have to put through the system. Uh, Also precedent. Yes, exactly. Precedent, which is what I keep going back to. You can't be remorseful and innocent. So those are contradictory ideas. (laughs) So that is a big part of what I, why I believe that they have repealed it, because they looked at her report and said, that's not enough based off of what you said happens. Yeah, this 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 issue, this incident, uh, there is no precedent for it. I think Roger Goodell has to come out and he has to make a stand. He has to make a statement. Roger Goodell has to stand up for women, which the NFL has historically not done. Well, that's it for us. We'll see you next time. Speak for yourself. <laughs>